0: Hello listeners, today I have Hesha Abrams with us, who is the author of Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Defusing Tension, and is an internationally acclaimed attorney mediator known for crafting highly creative settlements and resolutions in very difficult matters. She has a unique talent to work with big egos and strong personalities with a keen ability to create synergy amongst the most diverse personality types, driving towards agreement. Now in this episode, we touch on a variety of topics the key components of conflict. Do you want to be right or do you want to win? You know, honestly, just to hold the calm and to be able to come out on top for yourself in every situation. So this is a great conversation on how to truly live for yourself. And I hope you learn at least one thing on how to live for yourself just a little bit more, because I know I did. Welcome to the Live For Yourself Revolution our mission is to highlight stories of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are truly living for themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, leadership and career coach focused on guiding you toward a career and life you can love. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hesha, it's so great to have you on the show today. I mean, we've already, even pre-show, we've already discussed the golden handcuffs. Where, where are you excited about your day? Knowing who you serve, right? So you can actually, uh, you don't have to play by the rules, but you have to know how to play with them, right? So, you, and it's like there's so many really great nuggets that we've already discussed, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you on. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah, and a little teaser to the audience, right? So if you don't get, you don't get everything of what you just heard, go go look her up because she has a ton of content out there and especially grab her book, Holding the Calm. So we were actually just talking about your background and how you got to do what you are doing today. So can you go back into that and share with the audience what you started to share with me?
1: I can. Uh, It's interesting because I know we're all trying to find our passion. And we talked about golden handcuffs and that I know people that are very, very wealthy and they're miserable. And it's just really, uh, it's not a good idea to sell your soul for filthy lucre, for gold. How many purses can you buy? How many fancy cars can you buy? How many homes can you buy? I mean, there's some level of what misery is when you're doing the wrong thing. And for those people who say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, do not worry about it. If you start with the flow of whatever your passion is, the universe opens up to you. I mean, I'm a international patent, Business complex commercial mediator. 30 years ago, I didn't wake up and say, Bing, that's what I want to be. That's not the way it happened. I was just a normal lawyer doing business cases. And I went to a bar meeting. And I have a whole chapter in my book where I talk about this because people are always jazzed like, how did you get into this little niche? And I met this woman who was really odd. And so she was interesting to me. And I, what do you do for a living? I'm a mediator. Ooh. What's that? Is that like an arbitrator? Is that like a judge? No, 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 no. She works with people and brokers deals and you know, listens to them and tries to f- solve problems. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You listen to people for a living, solve problems, and get paid for it? <laughs> that sounds amazing. And then I just thought it was amazing. And I went and got some training, started doing some cases. And then, because I did what I liked, it eventually evolved through taking advantage of opportunities, getting lots of training. You know, life is about preparing yourself so when the opportunity comes, you can take advantage of it. And then that's literally what my whole trajectory has been. And that's why I wrote this book because it's, I've been in the laboratory of the trenches of human conflict. I mean, I deal with anger, revenge, self-righteousness, arrogance, fear, scarcity, power struggles, and I get to solve problems for a living. And I wrote this book about, okay, here's 20 quick, easy tips you can use right now. You don't need a degree. You don't need to take some course somewhere. You don't need some certification. You can get better right now and resolving tension and resolving conflict in your life. So... That's, and, and I never thought I'd be an author as a passion. That wasn't something I wanted to just serve and help people. And it led me down this whole author path thing, which has been a lot of fun. I'll tell you.
0: Ooh, I like how you said, did what you liked. You started off with talking about, you just find your passion, but you said you did what you liked. And I think what a lot of people get stuck on, especially the clients that I work with, is they don't know what their passion is. They don't want to say yes to something because it means that they said no to something else. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you just got interested in something Mm -hmm. and you explored it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then it became something else along the way.
1: Exactly. It's being, I would say the number one thing is to be curious. If you're curious, then what you're curious about will have, like, you know, if you play tennis or you play golf or any sport, there's always a Ping, you know, when the arrow leaves the bow, when the club hits the ball, you know when it pings. And if you're just curious and you're open to things, something will just grab you and it will jazz you. And then if you allow limitations to happen, like, well, I don't know how to do it, I'm not right for it, I, don't know how, I can't make any money out of it, um, I'm not qualified, all of those, if you argue for your limitations, then they're yours. So why have them? Just be open and to see what can happen one foot in front of the other, keeping yourselves as prepared as you can so that when opportunities come, bada boom, bada bing, you can take advantage of them. And Mm -hmm. then who knows? Literally 30 years ago, if you said I'd be doing what I'd be doing now, I was a liberal arts, political science major in college, and I do complex science, business and technology cases. Seriously, who, who would have you know, imagined that trajectory? But, you know, one step in front of the other.
0: Were there any false starts, you know, prior to this or even after this where you just got curious about something and then you're like, oh, that, that led to a place that I didn't want to live in for a little bit?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the beauty of that is, okay, not going to do that. Hard, right? Seriously. Think about how many people stay in relationships that don't work for them, wear clothes that are uncomfortable to them, stay in jobs they hate, and hang out with friends they don't even like. Think about how crazy that is. If you take charge of your life and say, This is my life, I mean, I'm born naked and alone, and I'm going to die naked and alone. And what I do in between belongs to me. And if you claim that sense of power, my God, things can happen. It's remarkable.
0: I see a lot of similarities between mediation and what you're sharing with me right now. So mm-hmm. can you, I guess, and how did these concepts arrive for you personally? Because not a lot Not a lot of people that I speak to are able to talk about life like this, are able to talk about you know doing what they love like this, or being able to say, look, if that didn't work out, you go do something else. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'll tell you something I saw when I was, right now I'm 63 years old. I got grandkids. And the new life expectancy, if you keep yourself healthy, is well over 100. So I figure I'm middle aged. I got a whole nother trajectory of a career ahead of me and what it is I'm gonna do. And when I was young, I was probably in my very early 20s, I saw a Nike ad. And it had on half the page, it had this old man sitting all depressed in a chair, slumped over, just looking grim and grumpy. And it said, When you're old and tired, you'll be filled with regret. And then the next page, it said, or maybe not, and it showed a guy in great Nikes leaping over these rocks. I ripped that out and taped it to the door of my office. And I said, that's me. I'm going to be that when I'm 80, when I'm 90, I'm going to be that. And so I just, I don't know why I had a challenging life. I believe me, I did not have a blessed life. I had a lot of challenges and difficulties. And there was just something in me that said, I want more. Life should be more. Why settle? Why be on the B team if you can be on the A team? You can be on the A team of your own life. So do it. Why Why not? And it doesn't mean you're not gonna get knocked on your butt. You are going to be. You get up, you dust yourself off and say, "Oof, not gonna do that again. I learned from that one. And I used to tell my kids that you can't control if doo-doo falls on you, but you can damn sure control if it's gonna fertilize something to grow. And that's how you yeah. deal with the, the ups and downs of life. So that by the time you get older, you've earned every wrinkle. You've earned every gray hair. You got some wisdom behind it. And then you can look back and say, what a ride. Now, you know, when you hit in your mid 40s and then in your 50s, all of a sudden it's okay. I have a lot more clarity now. It's hard to have clarity in your 30s. If you're 30s, you're still experimenting. In your 40s, you're balancing and juggling and still kind of inventing a little. In your 50s, you're a little more settled. In your 60s, you really should be settled. And it's this trajectory where you think of your life in epochs as opposed to, oh my God, I'm a failure. Oh my God, I'm confused. Oh my God, I don't know what to do right now. I'm a living example. I've I've had a lot of knocks and problems. And I tell you, I've earned every wrinkle and every gray hair.
0: So in your role as a mediator, um, and negotiator, uh, does, do these topics come up at all? Do you have to almost coach the people that are in front of you that, Hey, like, look, look, there's, let me tell you a little bit about life. They do, except I never
1: say it like that because it would sound like I knew more than them and that would be arrogant <laughs> yes, and yeah. I come from the servant mm-hmm. leadership thing. But what I will say to somebody is they're, let's say they're really angry and they're just, or they're really arrogant and self-righteous. This is the way it has to be. Okay. How's that working out for you? You think that'll persuade the other side? If you think it is, let's go do it. If it won't, aren't you just kind of wasting your breath and energy from something that could be more effective? How will they respond to it? What will they do? And that becomes the conversation about how stupid and idiotic they are because I'm right. Okay. Is it more important to you to be right or more important to you to win? Now that becomes an interesting conversation with people, doesn't it? You want to be right, even if you're going to lose. Okay. Long as you know what the journey is and what it's going to cost you, it's your choice. Well, how about winning? Winning is good. <laughs> winning is good. How about if we shift gears and move toward winning?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm not telling you that you're wrong. I'm telling you how to end up being right in a way, You know, because let's, let's adjust. Uh, what tends to get in people's way? When it comes to getting what they want,
1: what a great question! So I do a lot of work in neuroscience. I've read every—I shouldn't say every book, of course not—but I've read a ton of of neuroscience books because I'm in the how people think business. There's something called auditory exclusion and ocular inclusion. What that basically means is your ears shut down and your eyes shut down, and it becomes sort of a tunnel vision thing. So if your wife is pregnant, if you're pregnant, if your sister's pregnant, your girlfriend's pregnant you see a lot of pregnant people around. If you have no pregnancy in your life, you don't notice anybody. That's called the red Corvette syndrome, where if you're in a red Corvette, you see other people in red Corvettes. So uh, we tend to see with confirmation bias what we expect to see and what we want to see. Those are very limiting. Now it's also very human, extremely human. So being able to say to yourself, okay, I'm at a roadblock here. Now, I can smash my face against the wall, and that's why we have these big, fat, flat foreheads, because we smash our heads against the wall. Or I can look around back and see if there's a window open or there's another avenue, or you know, I don't want to get in there anyway. I'm going to go over here. So it's that stopping, this concept of holding the calm that says, I am not powerless. I have power, and I'm going to take that power, even if it's only over myself, and look at what other options and opportunities there are. And sometimes not getting what you wanted is a great blessing.
0: Now, I understand with a coach that you can have, the, you can have someone telling you like, hey, I think you're just looking at red Corvettes all day. Like there's, there's other cars on the, on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're not a coach, when you don't have a coach, when you don't have, I guess, the, the benefit of someone else's perspective to help you disassociate from your tunnel vision, how can people start doing that for themselves
1: again that's one of the reasons i wrote the book is you notice the title of the book is holding the calm the secret to resolving conflict and diffusing tension so why did i add and diffusing tension it made the title really long and that's because all conflict starts with tension all of it every single one and i use the analogy of spaghetti sauce if you drop spaghetti sauce on your counter and you wipe it up right away it comes right up with a sponge right no big deal you leave it overnight, you're scraping it off with a spatula. That's tension leading into conflict. And so, Having a coach is obviously, you are a better athlete. Having a coach is a great thing. But if you can't have a coach, use the spaghetti analogy for yourself. Uh, There's a problem here. Can I deal with it while it's wet and wipe it up with a sponge where it's easy? Or am I just going to ignore it, hoping it goes away because hope is not a plan. And then I have to deal with something bigger and uglier and worse later. Now I gave tools in the book and ideas about okay, how do you deal with it when it's big and ugly? But preventative medicine is always the best thing. And so, if people start to think to themselves, uh, "What can I do here? I'm I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I'm angry. I see no way out. I'm confused." Boy, the amygdala is the fear and negativity center of the brain. And it's these two little kidney-shaped things like deep in the middle back of the brain, right close to the brain stem. And when they're in charge, you're not making a good decision. That's not happening. It, you, it's like, boom, saber-tooth tiger's coming at me. I don't care if it's a friend running at me or a tiger. I don't know, I'm running. So you don't make good decisions. So the first thing to do is to get a hold of yourself. Get a sense of power back get a sense of ability to, I'm in charge of my life and I'm gonna do something. Now I'm so confused. I still don't know what to do, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna get aggressive, I'm gonna run, I'm not gonna blurt out, I'm not gonna be reactive, I'm gonna be responsive. And I found even in my own life, I'm human, I've got an amygdala, you can poke the bear and get me all angry. And I literally say to myself, "I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm." Just saying that to yourself makes you feel powerful. Makes you feel like, "Okay, I got something I can do here. I don't have to take the bait. I don't have to run away. I don't have to explode. Because uh, then I'm just going to deal with it later. I got choices, and that's really." essential for every human being to be able to do for themselves and for others. Imagine what a gift it is for your teenagers or your friends or your neighbors that they're out of control, and you can come up to them and say, you seem really angry. You seem really frustrated. Let's talk about it. It's like you drain out half the anger and tension just with that. It's easy. And I have a technique in the book called VUX which obviously I named and did because it sounds like a curse word, which means everyone will remember it, right? So V-U-C-S, validate, understand, clarify, summarize. It's a short little four-part test. And it starts with naming the emotion. That's all you got to do for somebody is name the emotion. Drain's 50% of the toxicity out of the room. Just amazing, amazingly magical how well it works.
0: I was about to actually ask you what your favorite kind of hold the calm strategy is because (laughs) it's and thank you for sharing and it's so so i'd say one of the biggest issues when it comes to learning these techniques and applying these strategies is that it's one thing to do them now right we're talking i'm i'm feeling really good i've had a great day it's been productive i have no stressors this is a wonderful conversation but it's another thing right to to apply them to a very highly heated moment i'm late i'm in traffic i just spilled coffee on my shirt uh by you know i just lost a deal and all of a sudden now boom and so is there a i mean what would you suggest for how to potentially practice these i mean does practicing these types of techniques outside of those situations uh provide a benefit or or how i guess what yes, sure. suggestions yes, would you give, right? For someone that says, okay, look, I can't, I can control myself right now, but I can't sure. control myself in the heat of the battle.
1: So there's a couple of techniques to do. And, and then what you're, what you're really identifying is amygdala. This is true for every single human being on the planet. The more you try to do it, the better at you're going to get just like Michael Jordan didn't make his first team. He was terrible. And then he sat outside for hours and hours and hours and dribbled the ball in the driveway over and over and over again, because you create muscle memory when that happens. So the first step is to calm yourself down by saying, I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. I'm holding the calm. Then when you do that, at least for what my little thing is, is there's some tools and you can pick some of those, but let me give you something interesting that, uh, works with big huge emotions it works with kids and it works with teenagers too i call it dinosauring it out let's say i am so angry or so upset uh, there's no talking to me i am just that upset don't give me your psycho babble techno babble garbage because i'm not feeling it you know okay that's called a human reaction i take my hands and you make your fingernails at the end and i dig them into my palms I literally dig them into my palms hard so you get a tactile sensation and i say to myself i'm dinosauring it out i'm dinosauring it out i'm dinosauring it out and it makes you laugh and then it takes 10 seconds and all of a sudden half of that toxicity is drained away and then you go i'm holding the calm i'm holding the calm all right what can i do here what what are my choices and what are my options do i have time to go home and change my shirt i just spilled coffee on How am I going to handle showing up for the meeting when I'm late? What am I going to say? Am I going to rush in like I'm crazed? Or am I going to calm myself and walk in with power and control and say, oh, you cannot believe the traffic. I really apologize for being late. It was rude to you, and I really do apologize for that done issues over. But where that tension comes from, again, is this sense of powerlessness. I was in traffic. I spilled my coffee. I had a crappy day. My boss yelled at me or I got fired or, 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 or whatever that is. I don't have power over that, but I get to take power over me. Then I get to make whatever it is I'm doing better. And I'll give just this example. I've not talked about this before. and This is not in the book, but maybe made me think about it. I myself went through a very challenging and difficult divorce and I had to apply all my my own techniques and people would say how you doing and i had a standard line that i just made up well i'm not eating doritos i'm not eating haagen-dazs and i'm not scooping out the Hagen dazs with the doritos so i think i'm doing good and people would laugh because no one wants to be around misery i felt better and every time i said that i got a little dopamine hit until i actually did really feel better so Use my stories, I say to your audience. And part of the thing I have in the book is tons of stories, because you know the Bible, the Bhagavad-gita, you know the the Torah, I mean all the Buddhist um, um, teaching Sala, all teach in stories. And the reason they do is that our brains process information and icons. That's how we retain information. So if I tell you a story, like I'll give you a story in just a second. You hold it in your mind, all of a sudden you understand the concept of it, the benefit of it, the belief in it, and then you can use it as opposed to me giving you ideas and rules and concepts. That's much harder to like literally inculcate into your, into your consciousness. So these stories are great. And I have a really good one that just came to my mind. Can I share it with you?
0: I would love it. Please do.
1: So I heard a story about a couch company that was a custom bespoke couch company. 20 grand to 30 grand a couch okay but you could go online you can design the arms and the legs and the fabric and the length and go completely custom people would go online and get right to the point of sale and not complete and the couch company is like my god so they poured more money into advertising and marketing and all kinds of stuff didn't change anything finally they hired someone that said go find out what's going on so he actually called various customers who went to the end and didn't complete and just asked what it could do to help them and what happened do you know the number one reason why these really wealthy people who could afford twenty thousand thirty thousand dollar couches didn't complete the sale
0: can i guess can I, yeah. was it shipping
1: uh close they didn't know how to get rid of the old couch
0: ah okay
1: so easy fix mm-hmm. once you figure out the problem, right? When yeah. we deliver your new couch, we will take your we'll take old couch. couch. Yeah. It never dawned on anybody to do that. And so solving the right problem is so critical. So if I mm-hmm. said to you, it's really important that you solve the right problem, and I gave you three or four sentences of that, your audience would go, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? No one's going to forget the couch story and they're going to tell people about it because it's an icon. It holds it. So, one of the things I have in the book is every tool has a bunch of stories. So, whatever resonates with you, take them. These are battle tested. I've used them for decades. I know what works. Take them, use them, explain it, say to somebody, Oh, you yeah, know, the spaghetti sauce is wet. Let's wipe it up with a sponge. Let's deal with it now. I mean, use the stories. There's yeah. so much easier than theory or concepts.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of what you're saying, there's this undercurrent of just stop being the victim. Like look forwards instead of backwards. You know, look outside of your current state to your to the to the to the desired future state. Yep. And there's yep. that where that power comes from.
1: And see, that's easier said than done because when people oh, yeah. are feeling victimized, it's because junk has happened to them. So they have a good lawyery argument that goes, no, 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 I am a victim. Look what happened to me, blah, 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 blah. And that's where I went, do you want to be right? Or do you want to win? You can be right. Eh, Let me know how that's working out for you. And I'm going to give you one more analogy that I say to people all the time. You don't pee in your bathtub because you can't get it out. You got to drain the whole damn tub. right? So when you're acting like a victim, what I say to people, you know, when I counsel them is, you know, if you're really upset, give yourself some limited period of time to play victim because you're entitled to. You deserve it. Make it an hour, make it a day, make it a week, you know, whatever you feel you need to fully just go rah, rah, rah. This is not fair. But it's a short window. And then pick yourself up, dust yourself off, put the and Doss and the Doritos away, <laughs> drain the bathtub, and choose what you're going to want to do in your life.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, to your earlier point, it's um, I'm going to swear because it's my podcast and I can swear if that's okay. <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, you flush the shit, you don't use it on your garden, right? Like so it's it. I like it. kind of what you were saying before about fertilizer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like it. You know, it's just that's one of the reasons I called the tool Vox because I figured people would remember it.
0: <laughs> yeah. this, this has been amazing. And there are a lot of nuggets. Um, if our audience members want to learn more about you or read your book, how can they do that?
1: Thank you for that. Holding the Calm is on Amazon, of course, because Amazon sells 70% of all books, but it's also Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, and multiple small bookstores. It's an Audible and Kindle and all that junk. Uh, but my website is holding the calm, uh, So it's calm, And it's got some juicy tidbits on there. Um, but it also, I, so many people are asking me for more that you can sign up for what I'm calling monthly tidbits. And I might even do it more than once or twice a month. It just depends on my schedule and my time, where I'm going to send out short little videos just for free. Anybody who wants them on, you know, we're having to deal with gun control, Roe v. Wade school shootings and all kinds of tough stuff and just having a little a little bleep of holding the calm on current situations or current difficulties and that's you know what I'd like to be able to offer to people and I'm not selling I'm not doing training courses and I I have a full-time job I work you know so I'm just doing this as really my love letter to humanity because I know how to do stuff and I want to share so the book is simple, little paperback. I insisted my publisher make it inexpensive so it would be accessible for people, and people could buy copies to give to friends and then start using that language within their social groups to maybe make things a little less acrimonious and more harmonious.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm just sitting in second. <laughs> I'm just sitting in for a second. It's been a long day on my side. So my brain is moving a little bit slower, but also what you've said is just so powerful. Uh, And it's been such a pleasure to have you on. So thank you so much. Uh, I just absolutely love too how you have a full-time job. You know, you found the thing that you liked that now that you love. And something else came up where you're like, yeah, I kind of want to write a book. And it just goes along with how we started our conversation, which is, you know, there are multiple paths that are going to be a part of your career. You can choose to take some, you can choose not to take some, you can choose to take some and say, this wasn't right for me but it does just because you say yes to something it doesn't mean that you're saying no to other things mm-hmm. and you're a testament to that. So thank you for being a role model of that as well, amongst <laughs> other things.
1: It's my pleasure. And I remind people wrinkles, gray hair, and bruises come with it. You know, think about birth. Birth is a messy, painful, challenging thing, but if you're going to want to do something good, you got to leap over those rocks, baby got to do it. Cause then I will tell you this too. I I've done a lot of hospice work. I've helped people die which I think has helped give me some of the depth of my ability to handle intense emotions. Nobody on their deathbed complained about what they did. Everybody complained about what they didn't do. That that's, was very poignant to me. And I had a hospice nurse tell me people died just as they lived. And we're all going to die, every one of us. No one gets out of this life alive. So you may as well grab it by the horns. And make the best of it and enjoy it. And whatever time you've got, you know, work it, baby, work it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Life's, life's too short to to live it in, in complete pain and anger and frustrations and stress. So, Indeed. Uh, Indeed. Powerful way to, to leave. So thank you so much again.
1: <laughs> My pleasure. For thank audiences you, for thank you as well. <laughs> it's my pleasure, everybody. Thank you for listening. And thank you for doing what you do. This is very, you are a beacon in the darkness. So we need you. Thank you.
0: You've been part of the Live For Yourself revolution. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share with a friend and spread the good word. Till next time, keep on living for yourself.